All right, Isaiah 51, verse 1. If you found that, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Isaiah 51, and we're going to read verses 1, 2, and 3 to begin. And uh, we're going to dive deep into the passage tonight. All right? Verse 1. Everybody there? Say amen if you found Isaiah 51.1. Some of you just groaned. Has it been that bad today? Been that bad today. All right, let's, let's look at verse 1. It says, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look into the rock whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. For the Lord shall comfort Sion. He will comfort all her waste places. And he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving, and the voice of melody. This is written... Uh, obviously by Isaiah, to the Israelites while they would be in Babylonian captivity, prophetically written uh, while they would be in Babylonian captivity, and just telling them, hey, um, while you're there and you're discouraged, don't, don't think that God has forgotten you. He hasn't. He hasn't. Sometimes we go through life's hardships and struggles and trials, and it can feel like God has forgotten us. He hasn't. He knows who we are. He knows where we are. Um, he knows our address. He knows our phone number. And he can get, uh, get us where he wants, when he wants. And we go through seasons of time. This Isaiah 51 and 52 are written to the remnant of Israel that wanted to do right. The righteous remnant in Babylonian captivity. And so we will look at that title tonight. God has not forgotten you. Let's pray. God, help us tonight as we seek to understand the Bible. Give us, uh, uh, Lord, hearts of understanding. You told us that if, if we would just ask wisdom, that you would give it to us, and you would give it to us liberally. And so, Lord, that's what we want tonight. Each one of us, we want wisdom in our hearts to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. We want to be strong in our knowledge of God's word. And so, Lord, guide us and help us as we dive into this. Give us exactly what we need. Uh, Some come in tonight, Lord, and their life is going great. They've got no struggles, no problems. And, uh, Lord, uh, they're just in a great season of life. Others come in here tonight, and they're uh, tired, and they're discouraged. And so, Lord, I pray the Bible study tonight would especially lift them up, refresh them, and renew them, and encourage them. In Jesus' name we ask all of these things. Amen. You may be seated. As I said before we prayed, Israel had um, fallen on hard times. The Babylonians had come in and captured them and taken them into captivity. And this was something that God threatened through His prophets for many, many, many decades, even into the century, well over a hundred years, that if they didn't straighten up and do what was right, that God was going to punish them. And sure, sure enough, after many years of them neglecting the land Sabbath and them living Like heathens, God indeed did send first the Assyrians to take the northern tribes into captivity, and then the um, southern tribes were taken into captivity by 
Babylon. Again, Isaiah wrote this uh, well in advance of it even taking place, but here we find Isaiah 51 and 52, and uh, we find uh, these chapters are God's writing to them to encourage them during that time. Now, let's take just a moment before we get into the outline, and let's notice the symmetry of our passage, all right? Look with me in Isaiah 51 and verse 1. We see the words, hearken to me, all right? Look down at verse number 4, verse 4. Hearken unto me, all right? And if your Bible has paragraph markers in it, you'll see that starts a new paragraph. Look down with me at verse number 7. Hearken unto me. And so you have three different times where the prophet, God speaks through the prophet and tells his people, Hearken unto me. And then we get uh, another uh, set here uh, of a different word. All right, look down at verse number 9. Look at verse 9. It says, Awake, awake. Now look at verse 17. Awake, awake. And yet one more time, look at chapter 52 and verse number 1. We get those same two words. Awake, awake. So three times we're told, hearken unto me. Three times we're told, awake, awake. Now look at verse number 11 of chapter 52. We see the words, depart ye, depart ye. You see the symmetry of the passage here, hearken unto me, awake, awake, and then uh, depart ye, depart ye. And so over this week and next week, we're going to cover chapters 51 and 52, and we're going to see those three thoughts laid out there, hearken unto me, awake, awake, and depart ye, depart ye. So let's look tonight, and my goal for us this evening is to get through the first hearken uh, to me's. And so um, I've grouped those together under Point number one, and so point number one, we see the admonishment. The admonishment. Listen, if you're tired, take notes. It gives you something to do and help keeps you awake, all right? The admonishment. If pastor's too boring to keep you awake, maybe the writing down of the notes will help a little bit, all right? Look with me at verse number one, and let's read down through verse number three, all right? Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness... Ye that seek the Lord. This is not written to those who've given up on God in captivity. This is written to those who are going through a hard time in life, yet they're still seeking the Lord. They're discouraged, but yet they're still seeking the Lord. They're, uh, they're, um, uh, they're in a down time in life, yet they're still following after. They're a disciple of righteousness. They're still trying to live a cleaned up life. They're still trying to do the right thing. And sometimes we can feel that way. We can feel that way, right? Where uh, life has really kind of kicked us in the mouth and, and, and maybe we feel dazed to use a boxing term. You've, you've been punched right there in the stomach, right? And, and, and you're, you've had your uh, breath knocked out. Maybe you've even had to kind of take a knee uh, to recover, yet you're not giving up on doing right. You're still trying to get up and go to church. In fact, you're still getting up in the morning and reading your Bible and you still pray about your problems throughout the day, but yet you can feel a little down and discouraged because life has just not been easy. And and so here he's saying, hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Let me give you letter A here. Look behind you. The admonishment, look behind you. Sometimes when we're going through a hard time in life, it's a good idea to turn around and look back at the blessings of God Throughout our life. Let's see that pattern play out here in verses 1, 2, and 3. Hearken to me, verse 1, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock 
whence ye are, notice past tense, whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit, whence ye are digged, look unto Abraham. You're looking backwards at the good. You're looking backwards in time to your forefather, Abraham, your uh, father there, and unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord shall comfort Zion, and he will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. So, hey, while the Israelites are locked up in captivity in Babylon and, and sitting under this other kingdom and they're living in that moment and they're despondent and they're down, the, the uh, prophet here set through God, uh, the inspiration of God, the prophet says, hey, listen, I know in the moment it's tough, but turn around and look at your rich history of God being good to you, Israelites, as a People, take your Bibles over to Genesis chapter 12 and let's see the promise that God made way, way back in the beginning uh, there to uh, Abraham. Genesis chapter number 12. And we're going to see here how that this blessing um, applies not only to the Israelites, but applies to the entire world. Look at verse number 1. Now the Lord, Genesis 12 verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. Look at the rest of verse 3. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So God is telling the Israelites here, in their time of great despondency, He's saying, listen, I know that you, you feel as though I have just forgotten you. You feel like I've just dropped you off in the middle of nowhere in Babylon and just drove away and left you sitting there. He said, but don't forget, I picked an old couple who is uh, of a barren womb and I called them out, and I waited until they were even older and past childbearing years. And I gave them a son named Isaac, and I made them as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And if I can do that to them, I can still love you and take care of you. Don't forget the goodness of God. Look behind you. Go to Matthew chapter 1. So we see all families of the earth will be blessed. And to be very clear, Isaiah 51 is an Israeli chapter. It is not written to the Gentiles. It is written to the Jews in the time of their captivity. However, there are applications as Gentiles that we can pull. And if you're a Jew here, then the passage is written to you. Amen. Look at Matthew chapter 1 and look at verse number 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of who? The son of Abraham. So, Jesus Christ is the way that all people, all families of the earth are blessed. Jesus came and he was born as a son of Abraham. A son of Abraham. Yes, of David and yes, of all of the other names that you see there in Matthew chapter 1. And if I try to read these names, I'm going to embarrass myself because some of them are difficult, right? But we know Abraham and Jesus is a product 
of Abraham. Let's build on that thought. Turn over to 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 2. 1 John chapter number 2 and verse number 2. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John, 1 John 2. 1 John 2 and look at verse number 2. We know that uh, God picked Abraham and called him to leave Ur the Chaldees, and he and his wife Sarai, Abram and Sarai, later Abraham and Sarah, uh, would um, have a son named Isaac, and then Jacob, whose name would be turned to Israel, and then he had 12 children, and then um, uh, of those 12 children and some grandchildren, we have 12 tribes of Israel, and we have the Israelites, and all of the generations on down of the Israelites, and then one day of the tribe of Judah, and then of the tribe of David, was born Jesus. And so Jesus, a Jewish man born among the Jews, uh, did not just come for the Jews. Look at 1 John 2, and look at verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins. Now, who is John talking to as he says that he is the propitiation for our sins? Words matter. Words matter, and the word our Matters. The word our is a pronoun. All right. How many thought you were going to come to church and get a grammar lesson? All right. A pronoun. And uh, that what does our mean? Who is John talking to? We believe that John wrote 1st John, 2nd John, and 3rd John to Jewish believers who were part of house churches on the outskirts of Ephesus. So this is written to a Jewish congregation. So when he says that Jesus is our propitiation, he is our sacrifice, he is saying that Jesus came to be a Jewish substitute for sin. But let's keep reading the verse. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't just come and die for the Jews in their sin? He came to die for the sins of the whole world. And some of you came in here tonight and boy, life has been tough. You've been battling sickness. Maybe you've been battling financial struggles. Maybe you've been battling relationship issues. And you came in here tonight and uh, you're just ready to throw in the towel and give up and quit. And I want to say, hey Christian, don't give up. Look behind you. God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. And uh, from uh, Abraham we get Jesus. And Jesus came and He died for your sins. Turn over to Romans chapter 10. Look at Romans chapter 10. And verse number 11, Romans 10, look behind you. He says to the Israelites in captivity, hey, I know you have it tough right now, but don't forget that if I can call Abraham out of the wee little area of Ur of the Chaldees and I can make of him a great nation, that I can still help you and love you. Look at Romans 10 and look at verse number 11, for the scripture saith, whosoever, that's an all-encompassing word that means anyone, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Look at verse 11, that's where I want our focus to be tonight. For uh, Verse 11, for the scripture saith, uh, let's see here, uh, verse 12 rather. I, I want our focus to be on verse 12 tonight. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that calleth upon Him. Jesus did not just come... 
for the Jews. Jesus came for me and you. He came to save the sins of the whole world. I think sometimes we all can do this. We get so wrapped up in the problem of the moment that we forget about the goodness of God in our lives. I can remember many times in my life where I was just so emotionally wound up and upset. I can remember times where I wanted to just walk away from church and walk away from the Bible and walk away from God. You say, Pastor Lejeune, you have felt that way before. Oh, more than once in my life I've felt that way. I remember once in uh, Bible college working a crazy schedule, 40 hours a week, uh, uh, driving an hour to get to work and an hour home, pulling a full uh, load of classes, fully involved in ministry on the weekends, averaging about five and a half to six hours of sleep a night, uh, uh, falling asleep in classes, falling asleep in chapel, falling asleep in church, falling asleep behind the wheel of the car and having to be nudged to be woken up and just making bad grades in college and just barely getting by. I remember I had to do my junior year twice. Uh, you say, Pastor Lejeune, how smart are you? It took me five years to complete a four-year degree. That's how smart I am, amen? But I got through. And I can remember after the second semester of that first junior year where I was, I, I just realized I was not going to pass. And I was going to, the whole year was waste. I had failed the first semester and I was getting ready to fail the second semester. I had picked up a few credits, but not enough to complete my junior year. And I was going to have to pretty much repeat my whole junior year again. And I remember driving down the Bishop. Ford Highway there in uh, in uh, uh, Chicago, and tears are running down my cheeks and in my eyes, and here I am struggling uh, to get through college, and no financial assistance, no student loans. I'm, I'm working a job, I'm taking the check, and I'm giving it straight to the college month by month to try to get through. And and I remember just feeling so despondent and so discouraged, and wanting to give up, and wanting to just quit college and just go home and do something else with my life other than serve the Lord, and uh, I wasn't getting anything out of church. I wasn't getting anything out of my Bible. I'd pray and feel like the prayers were just bouncing around the room and not getting anywhere. And then I can remember uh, the Lord speaking to me and ministering to me and saying, hey, don't forget that I saved your soul from an eternity in hell. Hey, look behind you to the day that I saved your soul. Hey, you may be going through a tough time in your life right now, but I still love you, and if I could save you from an eternity of hell, I can help you through this hard time in your life. Look behind you. Look behind you. Hey, not only look back at your salvation, but take the time to count all of the times God has come through for you in the past uh, when things were tough and things were hard. He says, hearken unto me. He's admonishing them to sit up, be astute, listen, uh, 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 give your attention, be aware that the goodness of God runs all over you and has for many, many, many years. Look behind you. Let her be. Look ahead of you. Look ahead of you. Go back to Isaiah chapter number 51. Isaiah 51. And look with me at verse number 4. So, first he starts out by telling these Israelites stuck in captivity to look behind you at how good I have been to you. And by the way, in their past, they didn't just have Abraham. They had uh, Moses, right? And the parting of the Red Sea. They they had uh, uh, Joshua and the, uh, the taking down of the wall of Jericho and the inhabiting of the promised land. They had uh, the judges. 
who came in and delivered them from captivity over and over and over again. Uh, here now they've had David to be their king and, and lead them to uh, national greatness and prominence. Uh, they've had uh, uh, kings like Josiah and, uh, and Joash, who uh, at least for a time were good kings. And they've had Hezekiah at this point. And so um, uh, they're living in the time of Hezekiah actually when this is written. And so they had so much of a rich history of the goodness of God. And you know, I, I, before we move on to letter B, I just want to say uh, I, it is human nature to focus on the bad in our life and to completely ignore the good in our life. If I were to walk up to you tonight and I were to say, how are you doing? And you were to give me an honest, unfiltered answer, can I tell you what it might be? My back hurts. Right? I got a hangnail. I had a fight with my wife on the way into church tonight. No, I didn't, all right? Because I don't drive to church. I walk to church, amen? Um, I didn't have a fight with her today anyway, but um, uh, praise God, because if I did, it would be a bad illustration, amen? Uh, but, um, you know, I'm not getting along with my boss. Um, and we, we would find, if we're just going to be very straightforward with what goes on in our brains, and we're to remove the filter and just talk straight, it isn't natural for us to speak the good things in our life. It is natural for us to speak the negative things in our life. You know why? Because we're sinners. That's not right. Hey, you know what? You may have something on you hurting right now physically. Do you know that all of the systems that your body works with, you know, your, your circulatory system and your nervous system and your respiratory system and, and all of those systems that are working together, did you know that if you could take all of that and turn it into a percentage, that everyone in here is running at, about, at a minimum of 80-90% of your capacity for your body? I don't, from the oldest in here on down. And we focus on that percentage that isn't good instead of focusing on the parts that are working great. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And we realize that God is the one that gives us that air to breathe. Look behind you. Look ahead of you. Look at uh, chapter, uh, chapter 51 and look at verse number 4. Hearken unto me. Here's the second hearken unto me. Hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my, o my nation. For a law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth, and mine arm shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and all my arm shall they trust. So let's take a minute and break down five. Then we'll move on to six here. Look here, my righteousness is near, meaning uh, I, I'm going to vindicate you in bondage. My salvation is gone forth, mine arm shall judge the people. Look here, the isles. Now, here's a little something for you. Anytime you're reading through the book of Isaiah and you get to the word isles, all right? This is just what I've learned after studying 50 chapters of the book and having dug deep many times in many chapters. If you see the word isles, you can circle it, you can mark it. That is talking about the Gentiles. The Gentiles, that is Isaiah's uh, key word to Q-U-N that he's talking about the Gentiles. So look back with me at chapter 51 and uh, look back at uh, verse number, let's see, verse number, um, is it five we were at? Yeah, five. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth. Mine arm shall judge the people, the isles or the Gentiles shall wait upon me and mine arm 
shall they trust. He's saying here, you may feel like that I'm not in control. You may feel like that uh, I have lost uh, lost the handle of this because you're in captivity. You may feel like that I've just abandoned you and gone and hidden in a corner. He says, listen, there's a future coming ahead where all the aisles, from the furthest aisle on in, everyone will worship me and serve me and my salvation of you Israelites will win the day. Look at verse 6. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look unto the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke. And the earth shall wax old like a garment. And they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever and my righteousness shall not be abolished. So... We look back at the goodness of God in our life. We see our salvation. We see many blessings. We look at our current situation of struggle and heartache and hardship. And then, now we look ahead to a time where uh, the earth has been done away with. And we're going to look at this same concept in the New Testament in a moment. Where the earth has been done away with. And now we're living in an eternal kingdom with God forever in eternal bliss with our tears wiped away and life being grand, we look back at the goodness of God and we look ahead at the goodness of God and then we look at our current situation and go, you know what, it's not all that bad. God hasn't forgotten about me. He took care of me in the past and He's going to take care of me in the future. Let's see uh, this same truth play out in Second Peter. Turn over to Second Peter chapter number 3 and look at verse number 9. And uh, we're shown three versions of planet Earth um, by Peter here at the end of this. And, you know, I wonder if Peter didn't get this straight from the mouth of Jesus when he was following him, or if this was just inspired writing of the Holy Ghost, as Peter describes, that holy men of old wrote as the Spirit of God moved them. But Second Peter 3, and uh, we get uh, verse number uh, 9, and we'll read down through verse number 13 here. Not rendering, I'm sorry, I'm in 1 Peter 3. Give me just a moment, a couple more pages. All right, 2 Peter 3, verse number 9. Here it goes, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. By the way, the beginning of that verse, the Lord is not slack, all that means is God's not lazy. He's attentive. He's on top of it. All right, he, he, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's, he's going to take care of things. Uh, but his long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But day, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. We looked at that concept on Sunday morning. In the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. This is coming in the future. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the God, um, uh, rather the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, Nevertheless, we, according to the promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So um, this is telling us that all of the things that we're just so preoccupied with here today, one day will be uh, burnt up 
in a fervent heat. I remember uh, right after we got married, we had a we drove a car and it was just a, a beater car I'd bought in college with no money and um, uh, it was a Saturn SL2. How do you remember the Saturn uh, brand? All right, anybody here else own a Saturn SL2? Saturn SL2, anybody? But you owned a Saturn at one point, okay? And um, I remember that car broke down, and uh, Matthew was probably about a month old, maybe and maybe not even that, three weeks old. And we didn't have any money, and our car broke down, and we didn't have any way to get anywhere. And I just remember being so upset over that, so upset over that. And my faith was so weak at that point in my life. I was just a young married man, just so young and new to the faith. And, and listen... Um, I remember sitting in, in the in the parking lot of the uh, apartment complex and just and just uh, gripped by fear. How how am I going to get around? I, I'm sitting in the parking lot with my dad's car. He's getting ready to move up to Connecticut. He's living in Maryland, getting ready to move up here to Connecticut, and uh, he's going to take his car with him. And I'm not going to have any way to get around. He's getting ready to move in a week or two. This is the day my car broke down, and you know what? I'm not saying that when your car breaks down, it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that when, you know, your, if your house were to burn down, that doesn't matter. But here's what I am trying to get at tonight. We are so hyper-focused on material goods that are one day going to burn up with a fervent heat. And we're going to live in a new heaven and a new earth. Now, there are people who believe this passage in Second Peter and the passage in Isaiah to be metaphorical and not literal. And... And tonight, I'm not here to argue the uh, argue that, all right? Um, uh, there, there's room for us to believe that God will take the current heaven and earth and, and renew it. That's not how I read it, but I respect those who see it that way. The larger point is this. What you're focused on with those material goods and those material items, God has something so much better for you in the future. Don't be so caught up in being despondent about you not getting your way with work or, or, or a relationship or your health. Ultimately, we need a perspective that carries with it the past of God's goodness and the future of God's goodness, and then we can see the work of God's hand in our life and what we're going to through today. The admonishment, look behind you, look ahead of you, letter C, we see look within you. Look within you. Look at verse number 7 and 8 of Isaiah chapter number 51. Go back with me to Isaiah 51 and look at verse 7 and 8. So we saw, hearken to me ye that follow after righteousness and, and, and seek uh, and that seek the Lord in verse 1. And then in verse 4, hearken to me thy people and give uh, my people and give ear um, and give ear unto me. Look down at verse 7. Hearken to me ye that know righteousness. The people in whose heart is my law. Now here's how we see that he's talking to the faithful remnant in captivity. Because these are people who are seeking after God. These are people that he still considers to be his. And these are people who know righteousness. The people in whose heart, verse 7, is my law. They have hidden God's word deep down in their heart. Um, Fear ye not the reproach of men... Neither be ye afraid of their revilings, for the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. And so he says here, listen, 
You need to, in that moment of trial where you're afraid of men or you're afraid of that circumstance, you need to have faith, be driven by faith from within, not be driven by fear, not to be gripped by fear, but rather to be controlled by faith, by faith. Take the take your Bible over to Psalm chapter 3. Let's see an example of this in Scripture where fear was on every side, but yet faith in the Lord was chosen. Psalm chapter number 3 was written by David in a time of, of great despondency and uh, and danger in his life. And David uh, would write a very beautiful passage uh, for us. Psalm chapter number 3 says, um, and, and, and this is as he's running from Absalom, Lord, how are, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Verse 2. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. Hey, don't you love it when you're going through a tough time and someone says, hey, pick your head up. Everything's going to be okay. The lifter up of my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice. There's the faith being chosen over fear. And He heard me out of His holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. When was the last time you had a really good night's sleep? You didn't toss and turn with fear? You notice the order here. He cries out to God in faith. And then He lays Him down and sleeps. The Lord sustains him. Look with me at um, verse number 6. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. When you are faced with fear at the threat of others, uh, choose to trust God because He's going to take care of you. Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians, or rather 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Let's look at a couple more verses that practically apply, apply to us. Now, by the way, the Israelites in Babylon had plenty of reason to fear. They had reason to fear that they were not going to be released from captivity, that they would, uh, God would just forget them there and uh, they would die and He wouldn't keep His promise to them, uh, His promise to David. And they had many, many reasons to fear, but God was assuring them to choose faith over fear. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Pastor Lejeune and I, I am filled with fear, and I hear what you're saying about choosing faith over fear. Boy, that sounds really good. It sounds very eloquent. <laughs> How do I put that into practice in my day-to-day -day life? Here's what I'm going to tell you. If fear is gripping your heart, 
and you can't get out of its grip, your problem is that you have not been made perfect in God's love. Okay, how do you get made perfect in God's love? You choose to dwell on it. You choose to bathe in it mentally, emotionally. You choose to focus on it. You see, for most of us that are gripped with fear, we're gripped with fear because our thinking is stinking. We're focusing on all these things. What if I don't get paid on time? And what if I get evicted? And what if they come tow my car? And what if I don't get the money to buy my kids clothes? They're not growing their clothes. And what if I'm not able to buy groceries? And what if, what if, what if, what if? I think it was Theodore Roosevelt that said 99% of the problems that are going to hit you head on swerve into the ditch before they actually get to you. And if you're a Christian, then that's even more so true. Instead of focusing on what could go wrong, how about focusing on a God who has everything in, in, under control? God, 1 John 4, 8 tells us, is love. And if you're His child, He loves you. Look within you. Look at the Spirit of God that dwells within you. Bathe in His love. Boy, we put off the foul odor of fear because we've not, bathed, not been bathing in the love of God. One more passage, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Turn over there, and we know 1 Corinthians 13 is the charity chapter. The charity chapter, and the Bible tells us all about love or charity. And I love 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It doesn't get talked about, at least in this context, very often. Uh, but boy, I'm going to make a quick application and we'll be done here. Look at verse chapter 13, verse 13. And now, are you there? Can we read it together? Can we read it together? Some of you got lazy on me and you didn't turn there. All right? Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Get there. All right, here we go. Ready? Now, uh, and now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, the greatest of these is charity. Sometimes pastors overemphasize a part of a verse and the other part of the verse ends up getting ignored. All my life, you know what part of this verse got emphasized? The second half. The greatest of these is charity. And that is true. And that, that, that is the point of the verse. But let's take a minute and look at the first half of the verse. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. You want to overcome fear? Listen to me. You need faith, hope, and charity to win the day in your heart. If you'll learn to walk by faith, you'll learn to find your hope in Jesus, and you'll learn to bask in His love, fear is going to come running from your heart and find no place there. And as you come stronger in your faith, and you find your hope in Christ, and you find the love of God being made perfect within you, my friend, you're going to have the ability to overcome anything anyone could throw at you. God has not forgotten you, my friend. Look behind you. Look ahead of you. Look within you. Hearken unto me, God says. I'm still in control. I'm still in charge. Well, we'll look at uh, the second part of this uh, Bible study uh, next Wednesday night. The goal is to make it to the end of 52 next Wednesday night. And then in two weeks, we'll be looking at the 53rd chapter, the pro prophecy of the crucifixion of Jesus right there and Isaiah, one of the most famous chapters in the book. Well, let's stand together and we'll pray. I hope tonight has been an encouragement to you. I know many of you go through some tough stuff. Let's focus on the goodness of God as we go forward this week. Amen?